0: Good morning, Gator Nation! Welcome back to the In All Kinds of Weather forecast. I am your host Neil Schulman. You can follow me on Twitter at allkindsweather, on Instagram at All Kinds Weather blog, and on Facebook and YouTube under the name In All Kinds of Weather. My co-host Chris Yanes will also be joining us in a moment. Bit of a quick episode today. First and foremost, we hope everybody listening to this is safe, not injured. Doing as well as it is possible to do in the wake of Hurricane Ian, which obviously has been wreaking havoc in the state of Florida, where a lot of our listeners are. So if you're listening to this as you're driving back home or as you're moving stuff or just trying to decompress or whatever, y'all, all all the best wishes from us at In All Kinds of Weather and the In All Kinds of Weather forecast. Football seems secondary at this point. Um, it is just a game it is though also a really good escape for four hours or so from the real life issues that many may be facing right now so we're going to talk about that from here on out going to talk about a game that florida was supposed to play on saturday against eastern washington but will instead be playing on sunday the depth chart for that game is a bit different than usual we'll talk about all that momentarily but first Quick word about our sponsors slash partners. We are proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, the nonprofit organization that works to send an underprivileged gator fan to the swamp. I don't know why I said underprivileged fan singular. It should be plural because this year we're taking two gator fans to the swamp. The Gator Good Foundation collects donations from fans, uses them to bring Gators fans to their first ever gator football game. All expenses paid. We take care of flights, rental cars, hotels, game tickets, gear, swag, food, and just everything that's necessary to make sure that they have the swamp experience of a lifetime. Congratulations to Alec and to Bennett, the two very good friends from South Florida who have won this year's trip to the swamp. To learn more about their story, you can go to Gator Good Foundation's social media handles at the Gator Good on Twitter at Gator Good Foundation on Instagram, and the Gator Good Foundation on Facebook. So obviously, this year's campaign is more or less set. But if you believe you or someone you know is worthy of the honor for next year, please email us, GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. And if you are able to donate and are willing to do so, please go to our website, GatorGoodFoundation.com, and click on the donate button. Second, we are proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting into your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients. Whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, event marketing, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are three great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. One, it is a veteran-owned business can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving them business Two, it's run by a UF alum and big time Gator fan three, they've got the, in all kinds of weather personal stamp of approval because they did the new in all kinds of weather logo. They did the new in all kinds of weather website. They've also done plenty of other Gator related projects, such as the new Gator collective website, the new Gator collective logo, the Gator good foundation website, and all kinds of marketing for the Charleston Area Gator Club, and so much more. So they do great work, and they're owned by a U.S. veteran who also happens to be a UF alum, and they've done a lot of gator-related projects. So rest assured, if you're listening to this podcast and you reach out to them for help, they will take care of you. And with that, Chris Yanes, my co-host, is with me now. Chris was forced to evacuate from his home in Tampa. He kind of got the worst of Hurricane Ian. So first things first, Chris, I mean, how are you? How's everything going for you? And I mean, what are you up to?
1: Doing good. Uh, fortunately, made the decision to evacuate uh, early this week. And, you know, in Tampa, we seem to be spared from the storm, but you just couldn't take any chances. So we're safe and sound at my in-laws house in Melbourne, but um, you know, just kind of everybody out there, um, our listeners, I know in Southwest Florida, especially weren't as fortunate as some of us. So, our, our thoughts and prayers with you guys all during this time and, and the recovery ahead. So, um, there's everybody out there that was impacted by the storm in some way.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. Things are, things out there are definitely bigger than football. And we hope that everybody listening to this, I mean, because we know a lot of our listeners are in the areas that got affected. So, Please take care. Of your, t- please take care of yourselves. Best wishes to you and yours. And uh, we'll we'll try to provide y'all a little bit of an escape from from all that. Right now, uh, we do have a game to talk about this upcoming Sunday. Initially for Saturday, that got pushed back by twenty four hours. We also have some news re- related to the game as far as personnel goes for Florida. The depth chart was shifted a bit. Some of that due to injuries, some of that due to players coming back from injuries. So Chris, I mean, we've, we've both taken a look at it. What jumps out to you on the newest depth chart for the Gators for this upcoming weekend?
1: The days of poor play and not having uh, to be held accountable are over. And this staff has shown a willingness now based on this depth chart. And obviously we want to see how the game plays out and future games play out, but we now have seen that accountability is a thing that's being installed in this program and it's good to see the better players are starting to play where it's good to see that there's now a, a true youth movement happening within the program um just going down through it i mean i think a lot of the changes they all have happened on the defensive side of the ball so you know looking at a guy like justice boone who has performed Definitely, I think, better than Princely McElin. He's who we you know we've talked a little bit about. You know, he has shown flashes in the past. And I think there was an excitement about him principally going into this year. And he just hasn't lived up to, I think, those expectations. But Justice Boone certainly has, and he's gonna get the starting knot at defensive end. You know, seeing a guy like Desmond Watson, who, you know, going into the season, we kind of hope to see him make a jump and has actually made that and now is being rewarded with starting at nose tackle. And then obviously now a guy. Um, who has you know worked his tail off to get back healthy again? Jaden Hill, who finally is going to get his first start in over a year now, um, he's going to get an opportunity to start opposite of Jason Marshall. So I, I'm excited just for him to get back healthy first of all, but to see him not only get healthy again but earn the start uh, is great to see. And then, of course, I'm really excited for Kamari Wilson. I mean, if it is an injury that has sidelined Chardine, you know, best wishes to him and hopefully he gets better and healthy. Um, but it's I'm excited to see what Kamari Wilson does in the starting role. And I'm hoping that he performs so well that he just takes it from here. Um, and, and then seeing the um, Donovan McMillan, because that was an or situation, Kamari Wilson or Donovan McMillan. I'm excited. I've been excited to see what Donovan Mill can do at the safety position because he's played very well on special teams. He played. Uh, well in that spring game when we saw the orange and blue game had an interception in the end zone. So I'm I'm kind of excited to see what he does at at the safety position too. So just overall, just great changes on the depth chart. I think this is what we've been clamoring for, not just this season, but for years to see some accountability on this roster and finally going to have it.
0: Yeah. I mean, the the one piece of the depth chart that everyone was sort of aiming their finger at was the safety position, of course, with Trey Dean not Starting anymore, of course, that's not really a coach's decision. If he's hurt, he's hurt. He can't go. But I, I mean, it's it's so much more broad than that. Like as Chris, I mean, as you just said at the start of your little monologue, there, it is it is roster wide. We have a coaching staff that is not afraid to step up and play guys who don't maybe have as much experience, but could use the experience that they would get in this upcoming game to become better players in the future. I mean, Kamari Wilson was in high school 10 months ago. He doesn't have to be the starter. I know Trey Dean was hurt, but it doesn't have to be an or situation. Even it could just be Donovan McMillan, period. Kamari Wilson behind him. That's what our predecessor would have done. That's what Dan Mullen would have done. He wouldn't have even thought about putting Kamari Wilson out there. But And, and Justice Boone, as as you mentioned, uh, I mean, redshirt freshman. But nonetheless, uh, princely has got at least, does he have one or two years on him? He's, he's a sophomore. It so was a 20,
1: 2020 was his first year.
0: Yeah. So he's program. a sophomore and Boone is a redshirt freshman. Nonetheless, we're seeing guys who are not upperclassmen playing throughout this roster. I mean, I mean we, we've seen that from the start of the season. First of all, with Desmond Watson, he's a sophomore Jalen Lee initially put in there uh, in the starting lineup. He's a sophomore, but as you said, we're seeing guys who are maybe not as experienced as some other guys on the team, getting, into the game on the in the starting lineup, and we're also seeing guys who were not in the starting lineup being rotated in. I mean, we, we remember uh, Chris McClellan made a few nice plays against Tennessee. He wasn't a starter, he wasn't a second teamer. He's the third string guy at his position, but he got in the game and he made an impact. So that's what I think we're seeing, and we can look forward to see throughout Billy Napier's tenure that has to have fans excited. Right.
1: I would be interested to see – because, I mean, that's a good point you brought up about Chris McClellan. Because if you look at the depth chart, Chris McClellan is listed as the third-string defensive end, right? But, I mean, if you I, if you go back and watch game film, he's in a lot of plays. So I would be interested to see if you just go through the depth chart and then look at the percentage of snaps that each player plays in the game. You know, a lot of times, it, it, yes, maybe their third-string – Okay, but are they really third? Are they playing like a third stringer? War? Third stringer really wouldn't see a lot of snaps. A true third stringer wouldn't see a lot of snaps in a game. But Chris McClellan's playing a ton of snaps and made a ton of plays um, in not just the Tennessee game, but I would say every single game thus far this season. So, and, if, and the cool thing is if you look at this step chart, you look at the years, and COVID is skewing this a little bit because, you know, yes, Prince William and is listed as a sophomore, but technically he's kind of a redshirt sophomore, almost a junior because he's been in the program since 2020. You know, a lot of guys have an opportunity to gain valuable experience this year and then come back again next year. Like we could potentially return 20 out of 22 starters right now, next year. Now that could be changed, you know, because you got guys like. Von Dexter, who many believe will leave early, potentially Anthony Richardson if he continues to play like he did against Tennessee. So there's some other guys that are going to probably uh, leave for the NFL. That being said, this roster is built to, to return a lot of athletes next year. And this is an opportunity starting this Saturday, moving forward into sec play to gain valuable experience and build for the future. So next year, where a lot of these coaches in the past have seen those big jumps in year two. And then year three, we potentially could see that because we are going to gain a lot of experience and return a lot of this roster in future seasons.
0: Well, not to get off topic, but just very quickly going to make the point that you didn't mention the guy that is going to be the biggest loss next year. That's Osiris Torrance. We're going to have to find another monster to take over for him at the most, one of the most important positions in football, but that aside, Florida, as you mentioned, will have a lot of guys back next year. They get to play in this upcoming game. This roster was adjusted. This, this depth chart was adjusted for a game against Eastern Washington, not for a game against LSU or Georgia or Texas A&M or South Carolina, et cetera. It is against their quote unquote payday opponent. And it's, it's interesting when you look at Eastern Washington um, because their record says they're one and two, they're in the FCS. So if you don't look further, you'll just roll your eyes and say, okay, cupcake, you know, give me win. It's not the case. Eastern Washington is a really good FCS team. They've beaten FBS teams before they've beaten power five teams before. And their two losses this year, one to Oregon who, you know, Georgia made them look pretty bad, but that's still a fairly respectable power five team and a close loss to Montana, who I think is currently number three in the FCS ranking. So they're not a joke. And Florida, it's not like Florida can walk in, and expect to win by 40, kind of like FSU did against Duquesne. It's not that level of FCS. Does not all FCS teams are alike. And the Big Sky, where Eastern Washington is in, typically puts four, five, sometimes even six teams into that 24-team FCS playoff, whereas the Northeastern Conference, where Duquesne is from, Gets its winner in and never has consideration for second team. So, with that said, not a joke. A team Florida should beat. They're favored by thirty. They should beat fairly convincingly. But aside from the win, Chris, what are you most looking forward to seeing from the Gators against this Eastern Washington team?
1: Uh, I'm just looking for dominance. I mean, I know everything you just said. Yes, they are. They are a good FCS team. They definitely have given power five teams in the past trouble. That being said, Florida has an incredible amount of talent. And this isn't just like, you know, oh, we're playing USF. This is, we're playing an FCS opponent and we should dominate them from start to finish. What I'm looking for is for these guys getting their first opportunity to start, to take full advantage of it, for us to get up early on these guys, for us to be up comfortably at halftime. And that way, midway through the third quarter, we're putting backups in and we're getting ready for Missouri homecoming and SEC play. Uh, I, I think that we have got to, I would love for us to finally, uh, we've we basically have been playing in one score games this entire season thus far. It would be nice to go to the Swamp on Sunday and not have to stress for four quarters. It'd, it'd be nice to know that the game's in hand by halftime. So that's really what I'm looking for, is I'm looking for us to dominate a truly inferior opponent to us and for us to... Basically, have everybody on the roster all the way down to the walk-ons get some play time in this game. Maybe we'll see Kyle Angle uh, replacing Anthony Richardson at some point in the game. I, you know, I'd be kind of interested to see him play a little bit. But I, I'm really just looking for us to dominate this game, start to finish, and just get out injury free too. That's the other thing. Sometimes these games, you have uh, you know injuries that get sprung you know sprung up on your starters, and it potentially could ruin you going into. Um, into SEC play, so this is this is, and I talked about this on Twitter. Like, there's a path for Florida to go five and two moving forward. So, we should win this game. I think Missouri, honestly, Missouri, I think is going to struggle with a team like Vanderbilt this year. They just don't look like a, a good Missouri team, or even a competent Missouri team like we've seen in the past. Uh, you know, they lost to an Auburn team that's not very good at all uh, in overtime. So. I think that get to four and two and that sets up a big showdown with LSU in a couple of weeks at home where we could get to that five and two mark going into the bye week before Georgia. How nice would that be to to, be to to get through October with uh with three wins like that off the bat and, and just going with some maybe some confidence into that Georgia game?
0: I like that. And I like I like how it's set up almost Like, you know, you know how in video games, when you first start, like your first level is easy and then your second level is still kind of easy, but a little harder. And then it gets progressively harder from there. I like how the schedule sets up that way, where it goes FCS opponent, bad SEC team, but still an SEC team, who, by the way, has a former Gator and Tyron Hopper, a good bit harder. LSU is certainly not without its problems, but they've got five stars across that roster and then big bad Georgia. So it gets progressively harder each and every game. So Florida will have to, in turn, get better on its own. they will have to up their level of play as they go forward. So, yeah, I mean, Eastern Washington's defense is the thing that makes me think, you know, even if Florida doesn't play particularly well, like it did against USF, they're still probably not going to lose because that defense gave up 70 to Oregon. They gave up 38 to Montana State. And they gave up 29 to Tennessee state. Tennessee state is not particularly strong in the FCS. So Florida, if nothing else should be able to establish the running game. they should be able to just have their five offensive linemen get up, push forward, create holes and have their running backs just flow through them like juice. That should not be a problem. So if all else fails, if we get Kentucky version of Richardson or South Florida version of Richardson. If all else fails, they can do that and they should be able to win. So two Gators in particular, I'm looking forward to seeing. I hope we get to see Lorenzo Lingard do one black black had a little bit of a, I, I, I wouldn't call it an issue, but he, he was talked about by Billy Napier on a talk show the other day. And it wasn't. Nate Napier didn't exactly bash him but he wasn't exactly overly praising him either saying that he he has work to do talking about how in order to play it's it's a privilege not a right and how Diwan shows flashes at times that make him think okay yeah we have something in this guy also at other times not displaying those flashes and just just the lack of consistency and I'm wondering if that's the case with Lorenzo Lingard as well. Nonetheless, I think this is the game, if there's going to be one, where those guys can really get a chance to step on the field and play. So, Chris, in particular, with those two guys, I mean, how how excited are you to see that these guys finally have a chance to get on the field after an offseason plus the first month of the season, fans just clamoring for them on the field?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think to your point about what Niki was saying with DeWan Black, He's just being honest. Billy Nacre is an honest guy. And this was something, if, if you remember what Chris Doring said, we, we actually asked about Duwan Black, and he kind of said something a little bit similar uh, that Billy Nacre said. So this is a trend. And I know fans are – I love his story, and I love the fact that he's at the University of Florida getting a degree. He's in a great football program. He made a fantastic play in the Tennessee game that almost helped us win, come back and win that game but I think it's consistency that keeps you on the field. And, and with the, particularly these two players, I think that that's probably been an issue. And that being said, though, this is a chance for them to showcase their talents, to showcase that maybe there is a future with them uh, in the program, more particularly with DuJuan Black, who would have an opportunity to come back again next year. So I'm excited to see what they can do this Saturday, if given the opportunity to play and, And I just hope they make the most of it because in life, whenever you have been waiting for your opportunity and you finally get it, you need to make the most of it. So that's my that's my hope for them is that they absolutely take full advantage, ball out and have a great Sunday afternoon in the swamp.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that sounds like a good plan. Get Lorenzo Lingard, get the one black out there. Everyone's happy. Nice little escape from Hurricane Ian. Oh, we got the guys that we've been, been clamoring for for months and months and months, and really years, honestly, finally got them a chance to get out there and do what they do. So a couple names to be uh, familiar with for Eastern Washington, Gunner Talkington, the quarterback, uh, 636 yards in the year, just uh, for perspective. Yes, Anthony Richardson went wild against Tennessee, but he's still just at 876 for the season. Gunner talkington barely has three quarters of that. Uh, granted, one fewer game, but you know, not exactly a very drastically different average. And he's been going up against two FCS opponents plus Oregon. Um, leading rusher, Micah Smith, uh, senior for them. They don't seem to have a great running game. He's only got 162 yards on the ground. I watched a little bit of tape against Oregon. It's really hard to gauge because that's just a very different level of competition. It does bode well for Florida, given that Oregon was able to kind of shut that down until their backups came in the game. Their leading receiver, Freddie Roberson, I mean, what offense they do seem to have uh, comes from the passing game. They did get, you know, 14 more or less against Oregon's backups during nap time but you know they did move the ball somewhat in that game so just a couple guys to be aware of for EWU Chris I mean again we said there's gonna be a short pod today uh everyone's still kind of scrambling in recovery mode you're I mean you've obviously even been displaced and you know we'll we'll just wish everyone the best again uh, before we get into our verdict before we do that though a little bit more detailed than we'll get into in the verdict cause it's usually fairly quick with each talking point, but is there any way that you see Eastern Washington pulling off the shocker?
1: I'm going to say no. I think that uh, this team is, is going to respond from uh, a heartbreaker or a rocky top. I think a lot of, and, and this is not a moral victory speech. We lost Tennessee. There's there's no moral victories and losing. Period. At a program like the University of Florida, but if you kind of listen to some of the guys, the national media today, uh, uh, this past week, they spoke very highly of the way Florida handled that game. I don't think a lot of pundits felt that Florida had a shot to win that game, and then here they were with a hail mary at the very end to win it. And I, I think the program is Billy's. Get, you know, got the program moving in the right direction. He's laying the foundation, and. We saw a huge jump from Anthony Richardson, a huge jump from our, some of our receivers this past week. I, I think this is a chance for the offense to really just showcase the progress they've made. And it's a, it's an opponent for the defense to key in on a little bit. So I, I don't think there's a chance. Um, I think Florida, you know, maybe they – maybe Florida's a little bit slow coming out of the gate. Uh, been a weird week for them, I'm sure. The routine's probably been thrown off just a little bit with the hurricane. But I think that this team responds to a loss. I think Billy Napier gets these guys focused. And I think, too, they're just excited to play the game because there was definitely talk. A lot of people believe this game was going to be canceled and were able to actually play a game on Sunday. So uh, I think they're going to come out uh, excited to play. I think they ultimately get up pretty big by halftime. And uh, I'm going to say very slim to none chance that Eastern Washington pulls off a a Jacksonville State-like shocker you know, a la Florida state last year.
0: Yeah. That game is still great. Even though FSU is four and oh, it's still hilarious. Um, I mean, you make a good point about what, what you were alluding to about how people thought this game was going to be canceled. I have a very strong feeling. I do not have sourced info on this, but I have a very strong feeling that Billy Napier went into Scott Strickland's office or called him on the phone or whatever and said, we're, we're playing this game, make it happen, do what it takes to make this happen. I don't care if we have to play in new Orleans. I don't care if we have to wait until Tuesday in Miami, whatever, as long as it is physically possible and, and the players, you know, don't have to be with their families or as long, you know, debris is not just cluttering every single field in the Southeastern United States. We are playing this game. I don't know that our predecessors would do that. I don't know that our previous coaches would do that. I don't know that our previous ADs would do that. Jeremy Foley was great in a lot of things. I don't know that he makes it happen. But Napier recognized, again, first foremost, people are safe and healthy, taken care of. But once that has been established, every available resource must be used to make this game get played. If you have to you know, hire... 90 extra security guards who live in Atlanta to come down and work this one game, do it. If you have to, you know, change the hotel reservations for Asian Washington, if you have to move them from Ocala to Lake city to Mandarin, whatever, do it. We are playing this game. We need the reps for the young guys. We need this momentum booster as we head into the the meat of the SEC schedule. And even if the national championship and SEC hopes are lost, which by the way they probably are, we still have a lot to play for this year. Double-digit wins, New Year's Six Bowl, could potentially finish in the top 10 if you don't lose again, doesn't seem likely, but it's possible, could wreck Georgia's season, which you'll have to get a lot better between now and then to do. You can use these next few games to do that. So, This game had to be played. Napier made sure that this happened. I don't know that for a fact, but everything that he has said and done so far, going back to fixing the parking and the food and the living situation for the players, everything he has done, every move he has made has told me that that is something that he probably did. And that just goes to speak to what we've got in
1: our new head coach. I think he just has a pulse, like a real pulse on the fan base, a pulse on the program and just what they need, you know, and I agree to your point that I think predecessors probably would have just said, you know, whatever, right. It's Eastern Washington. But I think he knows, knows that like the fan base one wants this game. They need that pick me up after a tough sec road loss, the players need it. And to your point, it's reps for guys, you know, every rep, every snap is beneficial to growing uh, these players into the program that we need them be a part of in the future so I agree I think Billy Napier uh, had a lot to do with this and I'm glad it's happening I really when when I saw the when I saw the announcement come out I was like oh god they canceled it and then I look Sunday I was like there we go you know I mean it it just I think you and I talked a little bit privately about that It was like why don't I just move the game a day up you know just to be safe you you fly that you fly eastern Washington and a day later you know, and, I, and I get it. The issue the issue for people that you know, may not know or be as familiar, the issue is making sure you have enough first responders, police officers, people to secure the game, make sure it's a safe environment for fans to come to. And obviously, in a disaster relief situation like we're going through right now, you, you have to reallocate sources to make sure that the rest of the state has them. And that takes priority over a football game. Okay? But that being said, too, Florida State's playing their game Saturday. Other programs around the state are playing their games. USF moved their game to to South Florida, Boca Raton. People have made adjustments here and there. And moving the the game up a day allows Florida to, you know, get Eastern Washington here safely. And it also allows those first responders who are going to work the game an extra day to get off what they're doing disaster relief wise over the next couple of days and get them back to Gainesville um, where we need them. So I'm just glad we made it happen. And
0: we did it proactively. That was the key because there, there were a lot of people who were afraid, myself included, because Scott Strickland, let's face it, does have a history of, let's just say, ignoring warnings. Not going to go into that any further, but he has ignored warning signs before. Um, I was afraid that he would wait until Thursday night or Wednesday night or right before the storm hit. when it was maybe 20 miles off of the coast of Florida and then cancel the game because, I mean, he's he's done that. It's That's happened before. He did that one time. Jeremy Foley did that two times. It's happened before. Or, no, that's not true. Jeremy Foley did it one time. Nonetheless, we didn't do that. We got the game, or we're going to get the game in. And it just goes to speak about, you know, to your point, too, the fans, we only get 12, maybe 13, 14 at most. I guess 15 is the most possible Gator football games a season. We
1: live for this. We got not it. Just, not just that too. The economy and Gainesville is driven off of it. So those sure. businesses, those restaurants, everybody you know depends on. Even this, if this isn't going to be a sold out game. Uh, it still brings in people. It still brings in revenue for those businesses every single weekend when there's a home game. So when they when they lose a home game, they lose a, a weekend. That's their bottom line that they're losing. So and, just, and also I, I don't know if, uh, just on the top of the sellout and all that. Shout out to Gator nation. we one of only three schools. I think was it in the sec or the entire country were hundred percent attendance sec, but still sec. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's, that's impressive. And, uh, I mean, technically over a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So can't say the same about everybody in the conference and uh, around the state. <laughs> uh, the swamp is the swamp is just different.
0: I don't even think um, FSU's come within 80%. I think they've been at like 77 or
1: so, but they had their first sellout this past Saturday against uh, Boston college. Okay. Uh, yeah. But, took them a little while though. They had, they had the fan base had to see if they could win actually with Norville.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, and hopefully he wins just enough to stay there for a few years longer. Cause I don't really think too highly of his ceiling, but that's neither here nor there, Florida, Eastern Washington, the verdict starting with our keys to the game. We kind of touched on them a little bit, but uh, I'll, I'll ask you a little differently. What has to happen for Florida to cover the 30 point spread?
1: Fast start, I think. Florida struggled a little bit with fast starts in the first couple of games. And granted, they've played some very good opponents, good defenses. But I want to see us get up early, maybe score like two touchdowns in the first quarter. You know, get up like 14-0, be up by about 20 by halftime. You know, I think we have to almost hit that 30 number because in the second half, I have a feeling if you are up by that much, it's not that you're sitting on the lead, but you're basically taking your starters out. You're playing your backups, so you're you know you you're not running the score up like you potentially could in those situations. So I would say just a fast start from Anthony Richardson, fast start from the offense. Defense, get off the field quickly, get the ball back, give the offense as many opportunities to score as you can in the first half.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I'd say just kind of what I alluded to earlier, offensive line, this is your chance to show out and just dominate. Just do your jobs, you know. Make your blocks, open up holes, because if if a disaster strikes and Richardson's throwing interceptions left and right, and we, you know, we have special teams gaff to get a pump blocked or whatever, th- the offensive line will be our safety valve. The offensive line will open up holes. I am 100% confident in a way that I'm not about anything else on this roster right now, that the offensive line will do its job and open up holes against Eastern Washington. They may not against Georgia. They may not against Tennessee if they play them again, but against Eastern Washington, I'm confident that we can just open up holes and let ETN Montreal, Johnson, Naquan Wright, and hopefully even Lorenzo Lingard have some room to run. So I think, you know, honestly, Florida hasn't started off that badly. They've led in halftime and in each of their first three games, and they were leading Tennessee until about what, 10 seconds to go in the half. So maybe not right out of the gate, but I mean, the first half they've played well, it's typically been the second half that's done them. I mean, against South Florida, they were up double digits at halftime. It's the the second half that kind of let that game get away. But yeah, I mean, to, to your point, start well, get up early. Do not give Eastern Washington any inkling of an idea that they belong in this game at all. Put them away, foot on the throat, cut the head off, and don't let this become a game into the second half. And I think from there, Florida will cruise percent chance that Florida wins. Remember that we are barred from saying 100% because of Georgia Southern, really Uh, that's still, that still scars me, but also, you know, Jacksonville State over FSU South Florida against us last week or two weeks ago. So from, from one to 99, what's your percent chance?
1: 99. I, I, like I mentioned at the top, uh, I think that there's very little chance that, Eastern Washington does pull the shocker. I think this team will be focused. I think Billy Napier will have them ready. He gave them an opportunity to play this game by fighting for this game. I think Florida comes out, takes full advantage of it. So ninety nine percent for me. I'll go ninety eight, just because Eastern Washington
0: does typically have a lot of talent relative for an FCS team because they're not going to be spooked out by the swamp. They got killed by Oregon, but they've been there maybe the second time in a hostile environment. They'll be a little bit more you know, ready for it, even if the crowd is diminished a little bit. I mean, Aaron Best typically does roll out nice game plans against FBS teams, Oregon aside this past uh, a couple weeks ago. But, I mean, if these teams play 50 times, Florida wins 49. It, it's not a game that I think is – particularly worrisome for Florida. I think even if Richardson plays his worst game yet, like worse than Kentucky and South Florida, I still think Florida will win the game. It'll be closer, but Florida will still win. But I think the only way Florida loses is just complete and utter catastrophic games by Richardson and this defense. Both. I think if one of them does their job, Florida will be, will be just fine. So 98 it's, it is extremely unlikely that Florida will lose. So Last part of this, the score predictions. Uh, Chris, what have you got?
1: So, I think Florida covers the spread, and I think it's the final score is forty nine to seventeen. So we've got thirty two point victory there. I'm going to say those seventeen come from more of the second half, kind of when the backups get in. Um, So I do think that Eastern Washington they do have the ability to score. They scored fourteen on Oregon. I think they probably get somewhere in that neighborhood there. I think the Florida offense gets a big lead, but in the second half, when the backups get in, they don't, you know, score as much as maybe they could have if they had let the starters in. So I'm gonna say 49-17. I think Eastern Washington will flirt with
0: covering the spread, but ultimately will not. I don't see I I don't see this game being <clears throat> I don't see this game being a backdoor cover. I see it being a game that Florida just slowly and methodically pulls away like maybe it's seven nothing at halftime or after one quarter maybe it's you know 21 7 after you know two quarters then it gets to be you know 38 14 or so after two. like like it'll it'll go sequentially like that it won't be florida scoring the first 49 and then eastern washington back to recovering but i'll say florida 45 to 14 they'll win this game I, I think it's very possible that after one quarter it's it's tied or it's a one possession game and fans as they kind of do, might be flipping out. Oh my God, we're tied with Eastern Washington. How is it only seven, three in the middle of the second quarter talent, the talent disparity will take its toll. And by the time we're singing Tom Petty, this game will be decided. So 45 to 14 Florida wins and covers that 30 point spread. Think that's it for this episode of In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. If y'all enjoyed our show, please give us a five star rating and a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Definitely would appreciate that as we keep growing. Most important thing, guys, we really hope you guys are taking care of yourself, taking care of your loved ones, your kids, siblings, aunts, uncles, parents, whatever. Please stay safe. Please do what you can to you know be responsible and 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 take care of everyone uh, in your circle because. We we know this has not been easy for you.
1: Yep, definitely. Stay safe out there, guys. And uh, if you are making it up to the game, I have tickets for the game on Sunday, and can make it. Definitely make it up. Let's support our guys. Let's cheer Gators on, and um, everybody, uh, everybody have a good one. Go Gators.